So are we all well? Everybody doing good? That was good. Thank you for the response. Yeah, thanks very much. Doing great. Are you going to tell me you're good anyway, even if you're not? So I'm pretty excited to start this new, do you like the artwork? Hey, do you like this? The joy of stock photography or stock images. I just dropped a bit of text on it. So we're going to be looking at mind matters. We want to look at uh, the fact that the mind matters and also the matters of the mind. See what we did there? Hey, look at us. And we're going to dig into this over the next number of weeks. For me personally, I'm going to share a bit, and most of you as normal, I've heard this a lot of times, but this has been such an important part of my own discipleship and growth. Um, And it seems to me something that for a lot of us is not something that we've been taught about, so we want to dig into this. So if you find yourself through any part of this process a little bit like, well, I don't like what you're saying there, just don't run away, okay? If God's poking at you about something, you think, oh, he's going after I knew he was going to do that. Well, to be fair, if you knew he was going to do it, why didn't you do something about it? Ooh. But if he, if he is poking at you about something, just let him do that. Because if he's stirring up something that he wants to deal with, he's dealing with it because he wants your life to get richer, he wants you to be freer, and he wants you to have life in all its fullness. So we want to explore all, all things in mind, really. Um, for some, this will be a new topic, and for others of you, you might know the importance of this full well, but wherever you are on the spectrum, just let this rattle your cage a little bit and think, well, what could I be attending to more? Because we could all be much more aware of our thought life and attending to our thought life and and living from a place where the thought life is actually benefiting us rather than not. So one of the key verses we're going to use is Proverbs 23 verse 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So simple as whatever we think about ourselves becomes our reality. I've met quite a lot of people who go, oh, well, you, you know, I kind of think those things, but no, 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 I know they're not true. But actually, if you watch their lives, it really is true. Or sometimes we will say something, but our actions betray what we really and truly believe. And a lot of the time, it's like there are these silent programs that are running away in the background. Sometimes you wonder why your computer's so slow. Then if you do the Alt-Delete and Control, or Control-Alt-Delete, you go into the Task Manager and you find that there's actually 43 programs taking up so much memory and the computer's completely slowed down. So our mind's pretty much the same. If your journey's anything like mine, I don't know a lot of the time what I actually think about something. I might think that I know what I think, But circumstances will normally cause what I really think or people who love me or people who are really anointed and appointed to help me may ask me a question and that question, if I choose to open the door to the question, will uncover where I'm really at. And I found that humility is the way to go. If you discover that, do you know, actually I've really thought that, just fess it up. Just find someone you trust, say to them, do you know I really have believed this about myself? I've believed this about you. I've believed this about God. And, and I know that that's not true. So as I said, if God rattles your kids, let him. He's rattling it because he wants to show you where the open door is so you can walk out of it. So for Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And what we think about God, about ourselves and about each other is of the highest importance. It really is. We're going to look into mind matters on multiple different levels, but this morning I want to give you a bit of an introduction to the topic. So again, I'm not going to do the whole car fills up with his love part of my testimony, but I got to the place in my life where I really wanted to drive the car into the wall because of the degree that I felt tormented in my thoughts. The only rest that I had was when I went to bed, and I just slept all the time. My mum was always very 
uh, easy going. She never really sought to control me or manipulate me. But I was sleeping so much that she said, Colin, son, you're going to have to do something about this. What's, what's wrong with you? The reason why I slept was it was the only peace that I got in my mind. I'm quite sure that there are others here who have had that experience as well. And I was so, the, the lies were, it was so like, you've, and it's all, if you notice this about when it's torment, it's always towards a point. It is always towards a destination. And typically the destination is that we make agreement with something. And the lie is that if we make agreement with the lie, somehow we'll be free. If I stop going after God, my life will be easier. Oh, really? If I just had a job like this, if I gave up on what God's called me to do, if I just did this, if I just did that, then everything would be easier. Well, remember I told you that I was at the point where I wanted to uh, put the car into the wall? Well, what had happened, I think, shortly after that was I, I just went, well, you know, maybe what if it is true? Maybe then I'll finally get some peace. Well, did I just discover a new level of hell? Whew. I had no idea what I had just opened up myself to. I made one agreement with a lie. It basically established the foothold for the enemy on a big scale. And then it was accusation central on another level. So let's just pop that balloon right away. You will not find any freedom or healing in making agreement with that which is not true. The enemy is very, very clever. If you don't get that you're dealing with an ancient being that knows what he's up to, you don't know what you're dealing with. So therefore, we need to be on our game. And what we want you to be and what God wants you to be is someone who is aware of what the enemy's tactics is, who knows their father, who knows that their father is good. If their father says, don't go near that thought, you go, okay, there's a reason. Rather than, really, I can do what I want. God goes, you really can, but you don't want to do that. So we do not find liberty or freedom by embracing a lie. We only find liberty and freedom by the way that God ordained it to be. So I got to the place where I was really, really struggling. And I had been through lots of ministry, lots of deliverance ministry, the real hardcore stuff where they call it a, a spirit that is not helpful, like something that's been lying to you or something this, something that. And really, I had found freedom for a few minutes from those things because we have charge over our house, our body, and our mind, don't we? We have responsibility. And therefore, if we let something in, we can tell it to go, and it has to go. That is the truth, and it does have to go. And I found freedom for a few minutes. But what I didn't realize was my mind just went straight back to the normal courses, and it made agreements with the lies again, and the enemy had full run of the house. And on the cycle went. It just went on and on and on. Then one night, 2003, there was a, I think it was an AMI ministry event in uh, First Balanhage. And Dennis was ministering. It was quite incredible stuff. And Dennis, we had a bit of an exchange. And then he looked at me, and as only Dennis can. Some of you know what that looks like. Quakes you a little bit inside. And he said, hold every thought captive. I thought, yeah, right. Many of you do that. You're right. It's maybe for Colin or maybe for him. But no, no, it's too hard. He said it three times. By the third time that he said it, I thought, I really need to do this. Why did I do it? I was desperate. I had nowhere else to go. So I started the process and I started to think, well, I'm not even going to play with, is this possible? I just have to do this. I trust Dennis and Dennis deeply loves and trusts God. But isn't it interesting that it was someone that I trusted that came through? 
It wasn't God says, it was this man says, hold every thought captive. He was the, the vehicle and the channel and the representative at that point who I loved, trusted, and respected. And he said, hold every thought captive. So I started it. It felt like an insurmountable job. It was like the house was covered in cockroaches. I mean, where do you start? You know, you just, well, let's just move house. Well, I couldn't move house. I can't get out of my own body. I don't want to drive the car into the wall. So I started to hold the thoughts. And physically, you would have been around when I was shit. It was like, get off me. Just get off. I'm, no, no. And I found that at times, even I was getting into an argument with the thoughts. And actually, that's getting into an argument with the thoughts. We need to go, God, I'm going to believe what you say. I'm going to submit myself to you. And I'm not listening to you. Sometimes I'll go, no and just walk off the other way. Sometimes I find that I have been engaging. I've got quite mature in some of this stuff. So I find that I have been engaging and go, I'm really sorry, would you take back any ground that I've un, like unknowingly given over and go get back and get out and know and just walk on. And what I have found amazingly, amazingly is that I am the tree. I am not the ivy that tries to grow up me. And so many times, you, all you will see is the ivy that you're covered in. The fear, the anxiety, the lust, the depression, the, the, the grief, the, the lack of self-worth. The, you're just covered in it and God will come up and go, come on, faithful one. Come on, one who has abundance. Come on, you who are the best at what you do. And you go, that can't be true, can't be true. He's not looking at the ivy. He's looking at the tree. And as we get on this and get a value for this holding every thought captive, we find that the truth is the weed killer for the ivy. It's just the weed killer for the lies. And it just dies. Because you stop feeding that thing, you start cutting it down, burning it, kicking it, whatever you do, you stop, you starve it of any food, any light. Plants cannot survive. Therefore it dies. And who you really are starts to shine through. People go, I always knew that that's who you were. I didn't know how many of you really know who you are. I don't know. I'm starting to get a wee bit of a handle on it. But really, it takes somebody else to go, that's who you are. And you're like, really? An inside part of you wants to go, I really want it to be true. And the other part of you goes, who's Northern Irish? No, I can't possibly be true. No, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. No, no, I'm just a worm. Just a worm in the ground. Oh, yeah, I know the Lord loves me, but just in a sort of like puts up with me way. No, 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 no. He died for you. He gave up his life for you. If I gave up my life for you, I would hope that you would start to believe something amazingly special about your life. It's no different with Jesus. So I developed a zero tolerance, and as I learned, I applied. I learned not to engage, and the Holy Spirit helped me wrap my soul, as in my mind, my will, and my emotions around the truth. If you haven't understood that your emotions are rebellious, you haven't understood anything. They will lie to you about a circumstance. Remember we did the series on worldview? Uh, for me, I've always been a, a feeler type, so therefore I would have gone into circumstance and thought, now sometimes it's a discernment thing and it goes, something's not right here. Sometimes it's like, I don't like these people. Well, and then I actually get to know them. like, these people are amazing. My life is really enriched by them. Well, what is that? Well, I don't like that circumstance. Why I stay away from that. Well, my emotions have learned to respond to the lie. So therefore, we've got to go, no, no, you don't. You're going to respond to the truth. Do you know what happens? They eventually give up, and they surrender to, and they start to come in line with the truth as well. 
and your emotions become alive and become healthy and become whole as well. So I starved the ivy that had a stranglehold on me and I learned to replace the lie with the truth. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. So we want to be aware of what the enemy does and where the enemy attacks us and tackles us is in here in our minds. The battle is for the mind and this is the battlefield here. Sometimes it'll come externally, but really, if we know who we are and we're responding to the truth and know the truth, then actually the external circumstances only seek ever to do what it says in Romans 8, which is all things work together for the good of those who love God. But if actually the external circumstances then start to seep in a lie, then they start to affect us. Does that make sense? It's so simple when you put it out that way. But if we know the truth, then the truth really will set us free. So my testimony is that I am alive and in a sound mind because of what I've, I believed and continue to practice. Theory is so very, very important, but unless theory leads to application, it is completely useless. So you can listen to this message and you can go, Colin seems to really, really love this stuff and seems to have a bit of an idea what he's talking about. It's great, really. He explained it really well. It's great. If you, if you don't think that, please don't tell me. Um, but you can come away from today saying all those things, but if you don't take the step of going, I need to do that, then I may as well stand here and go, there's, there's just no point. Don't let these be empty words. For most of us, it is de- desperation that drives us to application. And I was desperate. I had nowhere else to go other than further down. So I decided to, to make the choice to hold every thought captive. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free or make you free. And the know in the Greek, I know that Andrew's talked about this, is gnosko, which means to properly, to properly know, especially through personal experience, first-hand acquaintance, and to experientially know. To experience the fruit of what God promises, we must let the truth move from cerebral cognition or mental assent and from just thinking about it to living it, applying it, and experiencing it. So what I want to say this morning, and really the whole part of this morning is, what would your life look like if you believed and applied the truth of what God says about you and about who he is? What would it be like to be you if you lived a life that had a mind that knew how to hold every thought captive, applied the filter of Philippians 4 verse 8. You know the one, whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's true. What would it look like to be a man or a woman who lives out of the love passage in Corinthians? Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres always focuses on the good and not the bad, keeps no record of wrongs, never gives up, never fails. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12 too. You might say, but I've tried it and it didn't work. Well, you give up then. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You can really, really do this. You might say, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've suffered. You don't know what I've struggled with. I'm getting older. I just don't think that I'm going to be able to do that. You didn't meet my family. I'd met someone who said, shake the family tree and see what nuts fall out. (laughs) 
And you're right, I don't know your circumstances. I know some of your circumstances. But I do know God. And he says, you can do this. You may seem like the most ridiculous thing in the world and you may go, I don't know how this is going to look. That's all right. But just take his hand. Mark was reading uh, from Revelation. What was it? Was it Revelation 3? Where Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If anyone lets me in, and I said last week about the picture of the the Holman Hunt painting where Jesus is standing at the door and the, the door handles is on our side. We have got to be the ones to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go on this journey. I am here today and I am not speaking on my own to say to you it's all possible, every little bit of this. So hear the Holy Spirit invite you into transformation. It won't be easy. It's not meant to be. You'll have to fight the good fight to get free and you're going to have to fight to stay free. Would that be anybody else's story? You're going to have to fight to keep the ground that you gain. But it is in the fight that you find some strength that you didn't know you had. And Graham Cook says, a good fight is one you don't lose. So fight the good fight. You've already got the winning ticket at the end. You just are going to have to get up and keep going. And when you get tired, talk to people and say, I'm tired. And they'll say, come on, you can do it. If you need to lie down for a minute and have a rest without having a rest and a break, and I'm not going to do this anymore, because the minute that you do that, well, I'm not going to hold my thoughts captive today. Well, what I would say to you is you'll probably be cleaning that up for several weeks or months. That would be my experience. Instead, this is Ephesians 4.23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and the attitudes of your mind. So my question for you is, are you up for this? We're going to bang on about this for quite a while because we need to get this. And as we get this, there's going to be a wholeness that's going to come to us. So what I want to make a comment on is that you're not a victim. It is not just the way you are. It really is not. And most of us have done it. Oh, it's just the way I am. I worked in a place and there was a boss who was just inappropriate. And they said, it's just the way he is. And I said, no, that's not good enough. I'm responsible for what I choose to do. So is he. All of us are not victim. If we believe that we are, then we don't have any responsibility. If we realize that we're not victim, then we've got something to do. And really, sometimes I get why we go, I'm not responsible for this, because it's a lot of work. So 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Your mind is your responsibility. It's not because of other people. Things will happen. We all know that people do stuff. We do stuff. Things happen. It's very frustrating. But our response and our reaction is our responsibility. Your mind is your responsibility. Jesus Christ has set you free and you really are free. You really are not a victim of your upbringing, your life, your circumstances, and you are free to choose. Let me read to you what Joshua said to the people in Deuteronomy 30. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give them. You choose. You either bow your knee to Jesus Christ or you will bow it to someone or to something else. You have the choice to dwell on a thought or to resist it and kick it out. You may say that's not true. It really is. 
I have never been to Spain. People go, really? You've never been to Spain? Been to West Africa a couple of times. I've been to France a few times. I have been to Turkey. Wasn't a great experience. Uh, we went to Cyprus. Again, not a great experience. Went to Wales. Oh, it was lovely. Sometimes sounds slightly Pakistani. <laughs> Got to be careful with the Welsh accent. So I've never been to Spain. Therefore, I do not believe it exists. All right. How's that with you? It's pretty logical, isn't it? Okay. Does Spain exist, Mark? Does exist. Why does it exist? Right. (laughs) There goes my argument. So, totally ridiculous statement, but my subjective experience does not eradicate a country. You may go, that's, of course it doesn't, that's completely ridiculous. So why does your subjective experience eradicate the truth? We do it all the time. Hold every thought captive, you're right. He's good, you're right, he's good. He says he's going to supply all my needs, yeah, 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 yeah. He's faithful, I write. This is objective truth. God is not going to change how he does things. We may want him to, but he doesn't. And actually, when we just die to the fact that he doesn't do things the way we want to and live for him and do things the way he wants us to do things, then we find this is the much better way to do it. So we've got to receive and realize that we've received the gift that many of us don't know that we have, which is choice. Jesus Christ came to give us choice. When we talked about the series on reaching, it's so lovely to be able to refer back to different series. We talked about the series on reaching. What we said was, be yourself. Don't manipulate anybody. Don't feel manipulated. Don't feel the shoulds. Feel free and offer your hand, what you have, open for someone to pick up if they want it. What does Jesus do with you? He says, what do you choose? Sometimes we go, I don't know. I remember Claire was asking me a question about something, and I said, well, what would you like to do? And she said, because that's a really good question. I was like, brownie points. Lasted about five minutes. Um, but what will you choose to do? Can it be done? Is this really possible for me? Well, that's really the wrong question to be asking because what you need to settle, first of all, is, is God God? Is what he says true? Then if you believe that, you don't get to ask that question. Because he says it is possible for you. I'm going to berate you with a couple of verses here. You either choose to lean on your own understanding or you choose to go in all your ways. I'm going to acknowledge you, God, and trust that you're going to work it out. And what I find is, you know, there's loads of stuff that I have to do, that we all have to do, I really don't like. And quite a lot I tell God that. And I I like having that relationship with him. I I really, yeah, I'm going to do it. I just really struggle with this. And sometimes I see him going, it's like it's just no response, which is even more frustrating. And other times it's like, be all right, just trust me. And then that works out a whole heap better. And actually, when I don't lean on my own understanding, he accomplishes things that could never be accomplished if I actually lent on my own understanding. You know those wee manipulating things you do to twist this and twist this to get what you want, and in the end you're stuffed? You're like, oh, if it just left it alone, it would have been okay. So your choice is either you're going to lean on your own understanding or you're going to go, okay, God, you know much better than I do. You're outside of time. You've seen it all. All right, I'm just going to let you do what you want. So you've got to settle that what God says is true. You must choose to listen to the, you either, sorry, choose to listen to the voice that says you can't, or you choose to listen to the voice that says that you can. 
if you look at a situation and say it's hopeless, God looks at it and says anywhere you look and see no hope, your thinking is under the influence of a lie. You must choose to die to what you think you know and agree with God, even if what you think and feel completely disagrees. I feel like I'm not giving you a lot of good news today. You can, why doesn't he just go, you're healed? Well, that's a good question to ask. Why don't you ask him? You must admit that really you don't know what you're talking about and admit and acknowledge that God does. This, my friends, is true repentance. Have you repented? Have you? Do you know what that really is? You know, repentance can some feel like you were, we're just disagreeing with that bit, but actually it's, it's saying the whole damn thing is wrong. And I use that word very carefully and appropriately. It's saying, do you know what, God? I don't know what I'm talking about. And then you find when you do that, God says, it's okay, you actually know what you're talking about. <laughs> you ever had that one? You come to these places and you're like, I've learned humility. I, I, I know that I don't know what I'm talking about. God goes, no, no, you need to do that. That's yours. You know what you're talking about. What's that all about? seems to be when we get to the place where we go, I don't have a clue. He goes, you really, you're starting to get this. Anybody else? Yes, Alana's laughing. We're all good. So let's do, I, I did this before. We've got a brick connection with the, the lie. We put our, Bill Johnson said that uh, fear is faith in the devil. So basically when we agree with a lie and we make a connection with the lie, we go, I'm placing my faith here for this to be true. What we need to do in this whole process is break connection with a lie in Jesus' name, that's not the truth. This is the truth. And we take the faith that we have and connect it in with the truth. And as we do that, then the power of God starts to flow through us and we start to get wholeness in our lives. You don't assess the truth. You accept the truth. And too many of us, myself included, have at times gone, I don't know. I'm not really sure. And God's going, I don't care whether you don't really know or whether you're not sure. This is the truth. So we don't assess the truth, we accept the truth. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. This is a kicker. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It's really hard, it's really hard. If it was God, it wouldn't be so hard. Well, that's not been my experience. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Hebrews 13.5. Any of you struggle with your finances? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That is the truth. Proverbs 23, 7, how we think is how we are. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Jesus Christ. So what we think is so, so important. Romans 12, 2, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And you may be sitting here thinking, I just want the wizard of heaven to wave his magic wand. Just want it to be all right. He's not going to do that. This is your responsibility. And it's a very, very important process that you must go through. Let me read this to you, and then I'm going to get the, the band up. There was once a little boy. This is not my story, you can tell. I'm reading it like, I am a children's presenter. 
are we sitting comfortably? Then let us begin. Once a little boy was playing outdoors and found a fascinating caterpillar. He carefully picked it up and took it home to show his mother. He asked his mother if he could keep it, and she said he could if he would take good care of it. I, on the other hand, would say, no, put it back. The little boy got a large jar from his mother and put plants in it for the caterpillar to eat. He put a stick in it for it to climb on in the jar, and every day he watched it, and he brought out new plants to eat. And one day he came and it had climbed up the stick and had started acting strangely. The boy was worried, but he called his mum and she came and understood that the caterpillar was creating a cocoon. And I've just lost my place. The mother explained to the boy how the caterpillar was going to go through a metamorphosis and become a butterfly. The little boy was thrilled to hear about the changes that the caterpillar would go through. He watched every day and he waited for it to emerge. And one day it happened, there was this little small hole that appeared in the cocoon and the butterfly started to struggle to come out. At first the boy was excited, but soon he became concerned. The butterfly was struggling so hard to get out and it looked like it couldn't break free. It looked desperate. It looked like it was making no progress. The boy was so concerned he decided to help, so he ran and got scissors. And then walked back because he'd learned not to run with scissors. (laughs) He snipped the cocoon to make the hole bigger and the butterfly quickly emerged. And as the butterfly came out, the boy was surprised. It had a swollen body and small shriveled wings. And he continued to watch the butterfly, expecting that at any moment the wings would dry out, enlarge and expand to support the swollen body. He knew that in time the body would shrink and the butterfly's wings would expand, but neither happened. The butterfly spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings. It was never able to fly. As the boy tried to figure out what had gone wrong, his mother took him to talk to a scientist from a local college. This woman's incredible. He learned that the butterfly was supposed to struggle. In fact, the butterfly struggled to push its way through the tiny opening of the cocoon, pushes the fluid out of its body and into its wings. Without the struggle, the butterfly would never, ever fly. The boy's good intentions hurt the butterfly. Can I get the worship guys up? Struggle transforms us in a way that ease never, ever could. And I had an old teacher who said, change is slow and change is hard. I want to add, change is also wonderful. Claire is constantly asking me to move the furniture around and most of the time I go, no, we are not moving that furniture around. I am not, no, no, right now I'm exhausted. So I move the furniture around and in the end I actually love the furniture where it is that Claire suggested more than she did apart from that one time when she said, could you move the fish tank as I emptied out, I think, 11 gallons of water, moved it over, filled it up with 11 gallons of water and Claire said, no, no, it's better where it was. Your destiny lies beyond your strongholds. And this journey with Jesus is going to lead you through them. Can I get you all to stand? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life with for me will find it. This whole process of discipleship is way more difficult than anybody has ever told us. But it is way more beautiful, way more uh, wonderful and full of life and full of color and full of ease and joy and peace. It's not always struggle. The butterfly gets to come out of the cocoon and gets to fly and enjoy nectar and be seen by others. So as always, I'm going to get you to respond. And I've got, as always, again, some questions to help you with your response. And please, if you can't answer yes to any of these and you want to respond, feel free to do that. So have you believed the lie that you're a victim of your thought life? 
do you want to accept the Holy Spirit's invitation to go on this journey of holding every thought captive? And you might also, in saying yes, the question to you, also feel this. Do you deeply doubt that it's possible, but desperately want to begin this journey? If you can answer yes to any of these questions, then please come and join me now, and we're going to minister to you after we worship.